before we get into this episode of Ket Chat, I want to encourage all of our listeners to follow The Evanstonian on Instagram at the underscore Evanstonian and on Twitter at The Evanstonian to keep up with all of our latest work. Also, please visit our website, evanstonian.net, to see all of our projects and check out our upcoming December issue that will be released on December 14th. If you like Kit Chat and want to help us grow, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. If you really like the show, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Now, let's get on to the show. Up and at him, E-Town. Don't forget, because it is so true. Anything is possible, and make sure to put your best foot forward. We're certainly all in this together. It's a great day to be a wild kid. Hi. I'm Nora, and I use she, they pronouns. I'm Zachary Bahar, and I use he, him pronouns. And welcome to Kit Chat. Zachary, how is it going? It's going well. It's kind of been a strange week, but it's nice to have a week off. Agreed. Um, Just to let you all know, we're recording this during our fall break. Um, So tomorrow, um, where we are, is Thanksgiving. Yeah, that should be nice, albeit, yeah, very different then thanksgivings generally are which i'm not necessarily complaining about there's always drama (laughs) yeah and then you know we'll be even more thankful for the holidays next year so yes and obviously while i don't know what's going to happen in a few weeks when this is released i'm going to assume covid is going to be bad so please take precautions wear masks don't interact with people and so nora i know you've been working on a fairly special project with a f- with one other student from ETHS, and I hear it has something to do with robots and parliament. Can you uh, share oh. a bit about that? Yeah, that's an interesting way to explain it. Um, yeah, so I had the opportunity to contribute to a panel for the University of Buckingham's research. Um, for artificial intelligence in education. So it was a global panel where, you know, me and another student were able to talk with a bunch of other students around the world for a little bit and hopefully give some feedback to the researchers. It was really um, a great conversation and I had a lot of fun um, doing it and then also learning about artificial intelligence so it definitely sounds super interesting and i truly know nothing about this panel what i told you is about my extent of the knowledge of it yeah the panel and all of the research that organization is interviewing a bunch of different groups and like different teachers and people who are really well known in the field of like artificial intelligence in education. And then they're going to eventually make a proposal to the parliament um, in the United Kingdom. It definitely sounds cool. And we're going to be joined shortly by Aiden Goodman, who is the other ETHS student who was involved in that panel. Let's go to that interview now. Welcome, Aiden. How are you doing today? (laughs) I'm good. Thanks for having me. So we just kind of want to talk a little bit about the project we were a part of a few weeks ago with the University of Buckingham. So do you want to explain a little bit um, about like what we did? Yeah, so um, we joined a Zoom um, on some Monday 
where we were with a bunch of um, kids from across the U.S. and uh, the Americas in general. There were people from Argentina and Mexico. Um, and we talked about like the ethics of AI and how it could be applied to education um, because there's a lot of issues that could pop up um, when you're trying to teach kids using robots. I definitely do want to hear about some of those issues, but how did you get involved in this? Um, I just got a email from my physics teacher. I think Nora, did you as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was just like, yo, you guys seem like you'd be interested in this. Mm -hmm. This is a uh, doc V the yeah. physics teacher for people who are the listening. man himself. <laughs> he does have a lot of connections. I don't mm -hmm. know how. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he knew a lot of the people on the Zoom too. Yeah, he was he like, did. "Oh yeah, that's my homie." Um, it was it was fun to hear from the teachers. I felt like we never really debriefed that like together, but it was really cool to like see the teachers interact with Duffy. Yeah, and, like just be in the chat. Um, like I liked how the teachers like maintain the chat. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them knew each other from like some teacher award thing, mm -hmm. um, that he was a part of. Yeah. And so they, they, they're, they've been homies for a while. Yeah. It's like, what were some of the, what were the conversations you were having then? You're saying about like issues with AI and education. What was the discussion like? The main thing that was like the biggest concern was privacy, especially um, because AI is, I mean, artificial intelligence, it learns about like the person that it's interacting with or what it's doing. And it, it takes in a lot of information and it stores that, and then it uses that information to do whatever it's going to do. And so in education, that really means like getting to know the students that the, that it's teaching really well and getting to know their learning habits and a lot of things about them. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of concern of like, is it ethical for like a third party to collect that information about a student in a public school, stuff like that. Um, but then also like, would kids be comfortable in learning from a screen um, instead of a, an actual teacher? Um, and would that be a effective way to teach people and stuff like that? Yeah, it was really interesting to think about all of that stuff just because um, I don't think I've ever really thought about it in a lens of um, just like of privacy so much um, as much as like we talked about in our session, um, the cool things it can do. So, yeah, I mean, it seems it seems like it's such a, a far out like robots walking on their own and like doing like living lives. But it's like it could actually just be implemented like on a, on an iPad or something like artificial intelligence is like right there. It's like interesting about that, Nora. It's like you're saying like you romanticize. And I agree that it is like, it's certainly going to happen within our lifetime. Whether or not we get to like, you know, singularity or like post-singularity AI is a different question. Like I'm the exact opposite. I am like somewhat terrified of AI and what it means. And I can't honestly say exactly why. Probably just because it's like, oh, that's how sci-fi shows always depict AI. Yeah. Robot overlords and everything. <laughs> The stories we tell are important. And so those are the stories we're telling. Mm -hmm. It's easy to see, like, I would think maybe people aren't so comfortable interacting with that. But of course, another generation later, that's not the same stories. Yeah. I mean, people didn't think that, like, 
people would be comfortable interacting over phones when they were invented and then even before that like sending letters was taboo no it it it's really crazy that like there we're reaching a level of technology where like computers and robots and things could actually take like take over human jobs and things like that i mean like in industry and uh on supply chains there's been robots taking over like manual labor but like intellectual like conversations that you're just having with a screen is just something i can't imagine well i think that's like the big difference right we've had robots before but it's yeah. not general purpose like those mm-hmm. like machines and like car plants are incredibly like precisely designed to be able to put a door on or whatnot right yeah exactly it's not able to like start out as like an accounting software and then being turned into a thing that helps like teach or whatnot or helps great like that's Mm -hmm. the difference and just learning like a person's habits i think what's interesting to me is people talk about ai as something as um something in the future and in a lot of ways we have we it's already here and um in like google and uh, netflix or youtube or whatever yeah i mean there's so many things that like learn things about you to like give you certain advertisements and stuff like that and we don't even think about that as being like a big brain but it it kind of works like that when also like even like with the stuff we have right now it's so beyond like even just like the youtube algorithm is beyond like human ability to describe it like yeah, yeah maybe you can look at like oh here's a matrix and you, you go through like lots and lots of linear algebra presumably but <laughs> i don't think anyone can actually describe what their algorithm does because they're not the ones making it it's robots making robots at this point that's the idea isn't it um but yeah i mean that's kind of what we were talking about at the um meeting was like how would that fit into specifically education yeah and so like let me ask, like, I know, like, then you were talking about, like, how would you, like, how should AI be used then in education to make learning engaging or to make it challenging or to make it more supportive? It, it's It's been in the works for a while. Like, AI has been, like, on people's minds for decades. But, like, right now we're sitting in front of a screen at our, like, I'm in my bedroom um, and I'm doing... I'm doing like all that I, everything that I would in school. And so like, at some point you have to ask, like, is it really necessary that the person that I'm interacting with over that screen is another human? Like, could it just be the screen? And I think like, that's the, like, that is what's changed this year. It's like, it's just entered the popular imagination because it's needed to. Yeah. The way that I thought about it was how um, AI could be used for more, like I guess mundane actions and then teachers had more availability to like interact with their students. I think as long as there are groups like this um, researching and like really trying to understand um, student and and, like staff perspective about AI um, and ethics and stuff, um, we're in pretty good shape of making it um yeah. like some like a, a tool instead of you know something that could harm us mm-hmm. the only other thing that i thought a lot about um was accessibility and how um the creation of that in the classroom can really um like 
large in the gap between um, school systems that have access to this and ones that don't. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was you that brought that up in the meeting, right? The um, kind of like the achievement gaps in how it could, I mean, enhancements in education could absolutely like help bridge achievement gaps and like bring people to like the best that they could be doing but it could also just be used um by kind of those that are already succeeding to like go further and then leaving a lot of people that really need the help in the dust like again that also is like we're saying this is what happens with technology that has always also happened with technology it always mm -hmm. goes to those with privilege and with resources but yeah especially when we're thinking about like this is the next certainly if it's going to be the next generation that impacts us for the rest of you know humanity <laughs> and like, yeah if you have ai that like is tailored to like make sure your student is getting every single thing and other people don't it makes a massive difference and especially like as we're trying to like slowly i don't know as the world's becoming more globalized yeah. and more interconnected yeah. and as it is like Again, Evanston is very lucky to and very privileged to have computers mm -hmm. for every student. So that's certainly not true, even if we just look like, you know, a few hours away. Yeah. Less true. than that. Um, I wanted to ask, or it's kind of a fun question, but also <laughs> a scary question. Um, it's less about AI, like in the classroom and more about just AI in general. But yeah. um, do you think that you could become friends with, an AI that was someone asked that to me about this thing before I I honestly don't know um I mean like I feel like the definition of like a friend would be changed like I wouldn't really re like acknowledge them as a human and like kind of respect them in that way but I could absolutely imagine like interacting with some kind of bot to uh, in like a professional manner maybe but like not just like i'm a kickback and like chill with siri when you ask like can i become friends with it i think it's an interesting question and i think like it will definitely happen with people i don't doubt mm -hmm. that i mean they already made her like that movie <laughs> as that much will happen like this reminds like there's a I was doing like uh, I was having a conversation over the summer where it's essentially like, how can we prove that humans aren't just meat robots? And it's like you know you can't actually do anything to like really argue against it because anything is just like oh it's just it's just your programming. Um, oh, I like guess like you you think, think like your brain is like a chemical reaction. Yeah, I mean like there's people nowadays that like have online relationships like you can meet somebody online and have like almost a full relationship with a person just through like your phone or a screen or something. All of the people that I know that have done like long distance things, they've been, they've, they've considered the like times that they get to visit each other very valuable. So, I mean, like you'd never really be able to visit like the mainframe of your AI friend or something like that. Um, but it's still like, like, we're almost there. Like there are people that develop relationships with other humans. Sure. Um, just through a computer, but like, why can't you just do that straight to a computer?
like the Turing test thing. It's like, can a robot prove, like, deceive a human into thinking it's a human? Yeah, that's, and I mm. think um, the way that, you, like, AI can be programmed to learn, you know, your um, habits from, like, a human is that's possible for an AI to understand your own, like, mannerisms or habits or whatever, and then just kind of replicate that. Yeah, exactly. And then, again, it's just like, is that something that we want? And I think, like, yeah, it depends what you're arguing from. I don't know. I think it does, like, it does challenge what the idea of a human is. People also have, like, I mean, it, it'd be a different kind of relationship, but you have relationships with animals and, like, non-human things. Um, and, like, I guess, like, sentience is kind of <laughs> foggy when it becomes a robot, but, like, you could have, like, could you have a robot pet? Like, could... Yeah, be, I think it'd it, be funny. Like, I think this I does know. get to, like, that, what it, like be, I was saying, like, is the me robot thing a valid thing? Because that is, I don't know, again, I don't believe that. But it's, like, that is kind of what you're arguing. Like, if you had a robot, the intelligence is the same or one. And it might operate differently, but it at least appears externally to be the same. It sounds like a sci-fi movie where it's like, oh, the best friend like gets injured and then it's a wire underneath instead of an arm or something like that. Yeah, it's obviously not going to be like, again, flesh and bone, but mm -hmm. yeah. And then there's cyborgs, which is a whole nother thing. <laughs> it was like some artist in like Denmark who like put a like thing above his head and like he oh, can connect yeah. to it, Bluetooth like, with it. Reads his brain waves or something. Yeah, like, you can use it to, like, Google things and connect to Bluetooth and a few other yeah. things. Like, obviously, it's not, like, serious. It's more like, hey, look what I'm able to do. I'm A little bit. I mean, a genuine, like, application for that is, like, prosthetics. Like, yes. like kind of intense technology and prosthetics has been so crazy recently. I've seen videos of people with like complete arms that like based off like just the little nerve endings in their shoulder can like replicate like full movements. I think like within our lifetimes, maybe not our generation, but within our lifetimes, like people will have like just general use computer chips or something in their mind, in their brains. Yeah. Like not for prosthetics, not for any of that, but just because it's available. Yeah. I think I heard something about like Elon Musk wanting to do one of those. You can play music off of it or something. I would not be surprised. Not be surprised. It's like that's yeah. the other thing. Then it's like, okay, you put a thing in your head. Who has access? That again goes back to this privacy thing you were talking about, yeah. which is already goes, so fragile. Right yeah, like to your entire brain or whatever. What if what if your AI friend, like over the internet, is actually some corporate, like, <laughs> sabotage or something, or they're stealing your information and uh, doing something with it, yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. It could it could go wrong in a lot of ways. Someone will use it. Yeah, and I think it's like... smart to try and make like these kind of policies before it's even really that um, public or that accessible mm -hmm. to the public, um, because I feel like there was that a huge failure with that with like um, Google and stuff and Facebook and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean it's it's really kind of like unknown territory because like. I have no clue what people are going to be doing with insane computers in five years, even like a hundred years down the road, the cyborg thing might come true. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming on Aiden. Of course. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, it was great to hear Aiden's perspective on AI. And I'm so I'm just still thinking about what AI can possibly do in the future. So yeah, that was a fun conversation. It, it's going to be part of our future again. Um, speaking of the future, we are about to go into the year 2021, (laughs) which means that 2020 is finally over. Um, I'm very happy about that. This year has been quite a whirlwind. Zach? Yeah, so... I, we wanted to take this time to kind of just do a bit of a retrospective. First, just talking about some major events that happened this year and then like focusing on some things that, that were useful for us and getting through it. And I will say like, as I was looking through the news to put together like this list, mm-hmm. I forgot about half of this stuff. I know, and it's like, just kind of, yeah. A lot happened, right? And I guess that's always true, but it's just like more. Way more. So we're just going to go through a few of the events that happened each month this year and, you know, comments a little bit about our perspective. And then we're going to have a few other fun memories, predictions um, of this year or or next year. So let's start with January of 2020. This was actually like three days into the year. Um, Mm -hmm. There was the Iranian general Soleimani was killed in a drone strike by the U.S. And then for like the next week, there was like people thinking we're going into World War III. I remember that. Which like, you know, I definitely thought I was like, oh, that's absurd at the time. Which like, yeah, it was. (laughs) There was a real threat that there would, something would happen or Trump would. Well, yeah, that was the scary thing that he's just an, you know, unhinged president. And (laughs) The guy goes like hand in hand with him, like being impeached, which also happened in like late December of 2019 and into January of 2020. Something that I really remember from this past January was um, unfortunately when Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash. I just remember the outpouring of love and support um, for him and his daughter that was also killed in the crash. Yeah, but so I remember like we were doing the layout the design for the newspaper that weekend mm-hmm. and someone was just saying just all of a sudden like said oh my god Kobe Bryant just died and like you know I'm not the biggest fan of basketball like that's still a you know big thing to a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. and he was he obviously did a lot of good with his position and then finally the first coronavirus case hit the U.S. in late January um, and- obviously the country wasn't really phased by that, but um, we tra- the scientists and stuff have traced it back to late January. Yeah, and I think like even immediately when that happened, Trump was playing it down. Which like, yeah, I don't think, and we'll get there when we get to March, but it's very unpredictable. Yeah. In February, we had the primary elections. Bernie started with a bunch of wins right off the bat. I do remember that. Also, Ahmed Aubrey was was murdered in Georgia later in the month. Ahmed Aubrey's murder, like as long as like most emblematic of the year going forward. And of course, COVID's getting worse in February too. Of course. Yeah, and that like brings us to March. Although March start with Biden winning 10 states on Super Tuesday and a bunch of other Democrats, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, Michael Bloomberg, assorted mm-hmm. others all dropping out and, you know, letting him win those states. But yeah, then we get to March 13. 
Oh my goodness. What a day. (laughs) And, you know, to be really clear, like the coronavirus had really hurt people way before March 13th. It was just really striking how the country decided like that was the day. March, Friday, March 13th. Yes. Friday the 13th. Um, when the whole country would just shut down. I think that's the thing. Like it, yeah, like obviously it had been really bad in a bunch of other places. I know like our my Spanish teachers, like family in Spain, like had been really bad and her like dad was in the hospital and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it definitely hurt a lot of people. Like that was the day it like I think hit home to a lot of people, like, oh, we're closing school. And we'll talk more about that, I think, once we get through the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, um March thirteenth was also the day that Brianna Taylor was murdered and you know although there wasn't as much coverage about it when it happened um it did also happen yeah honestly not much happened in april like there were protests against the lockdown and anti-mask protests i remember those oh my goodness i think Uh, that was like the time was like it was just hitting this is really different yeah and i think it was the time when the shift happened about the mask and um eventually in april it came out that you know these masks would really help us so i remember they were also talking about murder hornets in april which just shows yeah. how like literal other than covid was happening of course that's not what's actually happening but that's what the news was covering <laughs> stuff does start happening in may that like does supersede covid i think in the amount of media was being getting just i feel like may was just such a turning point in of like our country um it was when george floyd was also murdered by a police officer in minnesota so those protests then started in minneapolis and then spread very very quickly to like every single state and also to many other countries that were showing Mm -hmm. either solidarity or protesting similar things in their own country exactly and i think just um a lot of it was really just amazing to see the amount of support that um he got but also just like the immediate realization that like the system as a whole needed to be struck down or reevaluated um I, yeah i obviously like, evanston is a is a liberal place as it is but i do think like that is something that, like even like you at least were hearing about it i think anywhere in the country mm-hmm. as it the year kind of went into June and later in the summer we hear about, you know, and I remember just being around when there was footage of um, Trump and military clearing out Lafayette Park um, just so he can get like a, a photo op or just so he can get a picture with him with a Bible in front of a church. And um, when all of these people were getting tear gassed and getting violently um, like barricaded from just like public p- property, like I just yeah. didn't understand. And obviously like, it wasn't just in Washington. He sent troops to, to Portland and to, he also did to Minneapolis and I think a few other cities. And even where like there weren't federal troops, like police were responding violently in Chicago. They like pulled the bridges and locked people in the city and they, and it's still happening now. Like even in Evanston now, as we're recording this, there have been a lot of protests against the Northwestern police and that Mm -hmm. 
the Evanston Police Department and like a coalition of other police departments in the area have like responded very with a lot of force to like just students and it's yeah yeah like that essentially continues throughout the summer that's the real news of the summer COVID is still happening and that's not really what I think most people were focusing on but going into August we have there was a major explosion in Beirut that destroyed a good portion of the city I remember that was in the news for a few days mm-hmm. and then like then we kind of get closer to the election season this is when like the election news really starts taking over we have the democratic convention and the republican conventions kamala harris is named vice president in august biden is named the nominee that was yeah, i remember the watching um both conventions um and just the difference was so drastic and um yeah. and kind of wondering what you know the rest of the campaigns would look like um, especially with COVID. And that, yeah, like that definitely was like a big part in the campaigns. And as we go into the debates, like you really saw the difference between the two candidates. Yeah, exactly. In September when it was like, one was very chaotic and interrupting all the time. And the other was very, just like, I, I've had enough with you. Mm-hmm. There were also a few deaths in August and September of Chadwick Boseman and also Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And also... Jacob Blake, who grew up in Evanston, was shot in Kenosha, which was, I think, devastating, especially for the Evanston community. Um, yeah, and that also, like, again, like, fed into all the protests that have been happening and, you know, continued to throughout August and really, I think, did drive it home to a lot of people in Evanston who might have known him or who, or who knew his family, certainly, because they've been a big force in Evanston. Yeah, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg also, like, that really set the tone for the election also. Like now, the, oh, this is open. Will they be able to fill it? And of course, Trump did fill it. Um, oh my goodness. Throughout like essentially October, November, even like when we're recording now, right before Thanksgiving, it really has been election news. Yeah, and I don't really know why it's still election news. I think we know who won the election. But yeah, that was a really, I think the election was dramatic moment of this year. And um just all of the events leading up to it, Trump getting COVID and basically continuing his campaign the way that it was going. And then also the Michigan governor. Yeah, it was plans. For yeah, it was a plans kidnapping. Plan to kidnap her. And like so Trump she didn't, didn't actually get kidnapped. Yeah, and then yeah. like, like Trump refuses to say like, oh, you know, there are fine people on both sides. And of course, right. then he like says, proud boys stand back and stand by at, in one of the debates. I think it's just really amazing um how much has happened um within the past 11 months yeah and i think like what what i think is true and i do want to like kind of ask like what are some of the most memorable days for you or most memorable moments but i think like what is true of this year is like things always change a lot that's the nature of of you know being but just like things normally change in more predictable ways Mm -hmm. i think or at least they appear to. And I think this year has definitely shattered that idea of like change in understandable ways for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. For me, one of the most memorable days um, or moments was on May 25th when George Floyd died and, you know, the video was released. I remember just talking about it with 
my family that night and and we were all just really disheartened by what happened and in like the way that he was murdered and um just like some of the sentiments of like what he said right before he died um were really like devastating to like my whole family so I remember that pretty well I think like the most memorable day for me like would be March 13th which like we Mm -hmm. have started talking about and it's yeah the day like ETHS closed I think a lot of other school districts closed although I know some around us had already shut down Mm -hmm. yeah like it really just like kind of was the day like everything hit home and I remember like just really not thinking that like I was thinking like oh they're gonna close this for a month that's kind of excessive isn't it like, yeah. I was like, yeah, COVID's serious. People are dying from it. It's worse than the flu and all that, which like, people were saying and still are saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, yeah, that was a crazy day. And I remember the NBA shut down and I was just like. It felt surreal, mm-hmm. right? It's just like you're walking between classes and like kind of everyone's just saying the same thing. Like, oh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next. We'll be okay. We'll be back soon. No, yeah. no one knew what was going to happen. Yeah, no one knew. And, and I think it was just really crazy how um things just started shutting down which i mean thankfully started shutting down left and right but just getting every single notification about this place can't you can't go here like this the this thing all of the sports organizations shut down yeah like any concert that was planned gone um all of those kind of things it's kind of crazy Yeah, like, I think that is, like, the great example of, like, we don't know how much will change overnight, right? Literally everything changes. Literally, yeah. And it still hasn't, you know, gone back to whatever normal means, and it never will in the same way. Um, Yeah, and I think there's some really good things that um, I think that people have learned. I think I've learned personally or just, you know, I think as a community we have learned through this. Um, and so I think that might be a good thing that, you know, this normal is, was kind of a little bit, you know, taken from us, but yeah. now it's kind of evolved into something new. Yeah. I guess my question then is like, what are some of those like things you learned or ways to keep going through a pandemic? Hmm. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> it was hard. I feel like it's still hard. I mean, the thing is we're yeah. still in this. Um, and but I remember during the midst of quarantine, um, my family got really close, which was felt nice. I think school was less, yeah. you know, thankfully ETHS, you know, really eased up on school. And I think that was helpful, helpful for me because, you know, I was able to like hang out with my family and just do something good um, with them nearly every day. So we would always um, do some puzzles during quarantine. Um, we watched the last dance, like while doing a puzzle and like Tiger King and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll share a memory that like really stands out to me as like, I don't know if it's a bright point, but it's one that's like definitely come back again and again. It's like the day, like that March 13th, I like walked into my calc teacher's room without even any reason to. I'm just like, I like, I'm just very out of it and confused. Like I walked in, like we just talked like for half an hour and like, you know, we hugged at the end and stuff. It's like, it's like goodbye. It's like, that's the kind of thing I miss now. Like having that real connection with people. But that was a nice memory. And I think like, once the pandemic started like some of the things like really were useful for me I know you were saying puzzles and so like watching TVs with watching TV with my family was something we started doing again 
Mm-hmm. Like I also was biking every day. Like I biked every day from like April 1st until November 5th or something when it got colder. Mm-hmm. And I like just walked like, hey, you get to see like how the trees change on the same path you go, right? It's different yeah. every day, which is really interesting. Um, and so that was nice. I also like I started driving like just with music on aimlessly, especially at the start. I know I was doing that a lot in like March and April. Yeah, yeah. As we kind of close out this year, what do you hope? Well, you know, what are your hopes, predictions for 2021, our graduating year of high school? I mean, I hope I'm not going to make predictions. I think that's a bad choice to do now. I do. I mean, I'll predict that vaccines will come out at some point next year. I think that Mm -hmm. seems to be very well supported at this point, but who knows? Um, I hope that like we can graduate and I hope there's some sort of regular you know, ends to our high school experience. Mm -hmm. I hope that we're able to start college normally, especially. Yeah. Um, For me, I really hope, um, same thing with like, after high school, I want, you know, to be able to, everything to be normal for college. Um, But something I hope to do really badly is to travel um that's like one of my favorite favorite things to do Mm -hmm. um and then also just visit family that's um even close to me it's hard to to you know we're approaching thanksgiving uh, hard to want to see your family because you don't want to spread the virus and i really just hope we're able to visit family in in a non-distance like non-outside way where we you know get to hug and um spend time together yeah like you know hopefully thanksgiving next year and thanksgiving honestly isn't that important to me but like it is still nice to be able to see people and to see family so hopefully that's back to some mm-hmm. sense of yeah and like we'll definitely in our upcoming december issue of the evan and this is stuff we talk about there is going to be a an in-depth piece about how students have made it through this year that's certainly mm-hmm. something we started talking about at the end. Is there, there isn't going to be like a real retrospective per se, but reflecting on how students have done throughout this year is certainly going to be a big part of it. Yeah, yeah I hope you all check out this month's issue. Um, it's a great one. Yeah, I think there's, this I'll say is also help. There's going to be a piece published in this about mental health. Um, and it's something I don't think we've talked really about with people who aren't in the Evanstonian space. But I'll say this is a hope right now. And our next podcast actually will be about student mental health. Mm-hmm. I do hope that people check that out and listen to it. And I hope that it causes some change. And I hope it causes people to think about how. We've been viewing e-learning and how we've been viewing, and we, I mean students. I think what we're sharing in this article next month and what we'll talk about in the podcast is this is a universal thing. So I hope that this piece causes some change. Absolutely. All right. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this fifth episode of the Kit Chat podcast. Thank you to Aiden Goodman and our producer, John Phillips. In addition, we want to thank Oliver Leopold and the ETHS marching band for recording our introduction and Dr. Kamasi Hill and CJ Singletary for creating our outro music. Yes. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.